Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world with a billboard. We have a billboard, if you want to call it by its full name, that's William Board. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and I can promise that over the next 45 minutes, you will not be bored, and that is because we are joined by one of our best friends in baseball, Mr. Foolish Baseball, a.k.a. Bailey Freeman. I'm honored. This is the second time I've been on this in like the last two months <laughs> yeah, after I've, making zero appearances for five plus years. So and, good to and, be back. And this time we're doing it IRL. We're not on Zoom. You're, you're uh, going to be like, you're like Matt Boyd. I am Matt Boyd. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't seen this guy in a long time. And here he is at the end of the year. He's uh, making appearances. We decided we've been hanging out uh, with Bailey all week. And so we decided, hey, man, you know, we we're, we're getting a little a little tired, a little run down. Let's add in some new energy into this pod. Uh, you know, Chelsea Janes gave that to us uh, earlier in the week, and now we're bringing in Bailey Freeman to give us his takes on all things Aledmus Diaz to the A's. Let's start with that. Just kidding. Let's start with Wilson Contreras, the top catcher on the free agent market. This is the news that broke just after uh, we recorded and posted our Aaron Judge pod this morning. Wilson Contreras, five years, $87.5 million to the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals fans, they are going to love Wilson Contreras. They, they probably will. But right now, it's a little funny because they've been booing this dude for the last six years. They've been negging him for years, and it <laughs> finally worked. It paid off after booing his ass mm-hmm. up and down Wrigley Field. <laughs> the other way around, up and down Bush <laughs> Stadium. He yes. will be playing for the Cardinals. And I think we'll talk about what he means and what type of player he is for a second. But it is a good reminder that the rivalries that exist in baseball, mm-hmm. most of them don't actually matter when we're talking about the business of the game. Wilson Contreras, as a member of the Cubs, was not like, wow, those Cardinals are so morally corrupt. I could never <laughs> play for them. Yeah. Can, are you surprised Like when stuff like this happens? Sure, we get some spice here and there about people saying it, really just with the Yankees. I've never played for the Yankees, right? Like Vlad Jr. saying, like, I hate them. I love beating them. Now like it's possible. Gri- like Griffey. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a lifelong grudge. But, I mean, do you also get the sense that players care a lot less than fans do when it comes to these rivalries? Oh, definitely. I mean, I would stop caring if I were getting paid $87.5 million. <laughs> exactly. You know? Pretty straightforward. My enemies can pay me $87 million to like them. Yes, definitely. <laughs> In fact, that's an open invitation for any of my enemies out there right now listening. You can, you can find him at FoolishBB on Twitter. Just send him the money. Jordan, I uh, call Wilson Contreras 33%. Do you know okay. why? I don't. I've, it's been sitting here on this uh, podcast outline, and I've been trying to figure out if this is, like, setting up for a joke or is this, like, real analysis or both. That's what you bring. So I, I could go any direction. One W, two L's, 33%. 
One W, w two. two this is L's. winning percentage. Correct. Oh wow! All right. Okay. Okay. Good. Good for you. Good for you. Five out of ten. Yeah. Six out of ten. Considering the the situation right now, where I mean, how much we've been talking to people with these headsets on, without these headsets on, how much sleep we got last night, I pretty good. Bailey, I would give it a. Point six six seven out of one. How about that? Uh, Wilson Contreras to the Cardinals. Let's talk about how he fits into this roster. Mm-hmm. I immediately thought about D.D. Gregorius when I heard this news, which is maybe weird, mm-hmm. but when Derek Jeter finished playing for the Yankees after being their shortstop for essentially two decades, it was so bizarre to see another human being have to do the specific job that this one person had done our entire lives. And Yachty is even weirder because we have watched the St. Louis Cardinals play now since as long as we can remember being baseball fans and people. The whole time, Yachty Molina has been the catcher. Mm -hmm. We do not remember the Mike Matheny era. It does not stick out (laughs) in our minds. We were seven. Mm -hmm. And next year, they will have a different person squatting behind the plate every day. Yeah, and I also think, I mean, you know, I, I wrote about uh, this earlier this year when I, I quizzed Adam Wainwright about who the, the few catchers that he had that weren't Yachty Molina. And now, not only are you handing it over to two guys on the Cubs, you mentioned the Didi Gregorius comparison. Didi was a, a good player. It's actually an interesting comp because was he as good at that time no. as a shortstop as Contreras' relative as a catcher? I would say no, right? Uh, but at the same time, it's better than if they didn't end up landing anybody and say they just signed, you know, Omar Narvaez. Whoever it was going to be, it was going to be a tough assignment. Correct. If it's, the, if, if it's the top free agent catcher, I guess he's best equipped to show up and make Cardinals fans be like, oh, this dude's pretty awesome. Does he need to win over the fan base at all? Is that a real thing, Bailey? Do you think that matters? I think he's just going to come out the gate playing great. Like, he, <laughs> he had a career year last year. He had, like, a 132 WRC+, plus, mm-hmm. and they've... You know, I think the worries about his defense are overblown. It might be a little bit of culture shock if you were used to Molina. Yep. But I think overall, like, you know, Cardinals fans, like, this has been in the works just like, I mean, you've heard the rumors dating back to, like, even the trade deadline. Like, yeah. oh, we're going to get Contreras. Oh, we're going to get Contreras. So we're, they're not blindsided by any means. So I think they're already used to the idea of, oh, yeah, Wilson Contreras is our catcher of the future. Also, now, also ahead, I just say, like, the reality is, is Yadi Molina outside of some weird, you know, empty, like, 290 batting average seasons, has just been a bad hitter for almost 10 years yes. now. Yeah, he does and not to, bang. To add a, at the catching position, you know, arguably one of the three best hitters at the position, not arguably, he has been since he, you know, showed up in the big leagues, that is just, that's not going to take long for them to be like, oh, sweet, like, our catcher isn't sort of an automatic out or can barely <laughs> hit it out of the infield right. or keeps popping up or is swinging it garbage. Like, that is going to not take long to get used to for that, them. That's a great point in the context of what we just saw in the World Series, mm-hmm. where whenever an Astros catcher went to the plate, it felt like an automatic out, and then on the other side, it was JT Real Muto, <laughs> yes. right? And we saw these two different ends of the spectrum in one place. Mm-hmm. What's super interesting to me about what you mentioned, Bailey, like the defensive issues he's had is that this guy is a crazy athlete. Yes. He is unbelievable. Like, from a speed perspective, he's probably athletic enough to be put in the outfield corner and not be a total disaster, which is part of the reasons why the Astros were interested, because of their outfield dimensions, whatever. It is bizarre to see this guy who's an incredible athlete struggle so much behind the plate, and I think talking to people after the signing, there is faith 
that he will improve and get to a level of competence. Now, he'll never be peak Yanni Molina back there, and that can't be the expectation. <laughs> who, who would be? No who, one is. Who is? <laughs> yeah. But his combination of athleticism and the Cardinals knowing how to teach catchers, mm-hmm. clearly, or help Yachty, whatever it is, it's working, whatever percent of it was Yachty and percent of it was the coaching staff, that's a thing that they know how to do. And so people think that Contreras is committed to improving, and will take the necessary steps forward as a member of the Cardinals to not be a problem behind the plate. Let's move on, Jordan, yeah. to some other news. This is nice. This is nice and spicy news here. And, and nicely timed, as uh, Jeff Passon, we got, I believe this is maybe our third or fourth uh, all-caps breaking from Passon so far uh, this offseason. And I love this one because Masataki Yoshida, this is the news, five years, $90 million with the Boston Red Sox, was just posted yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we're used to in the posting process where it's, you know, 45 days. And up to, up, it's up to 45 now from 30 previously. Jordan, could you do a favor for our listeners who maybe don't know and just what is the posting process? Just very simply. I was about, I was about to do that. About to do that. Right about to do that. So the posting process. You should host this podcast, Jake. <laughs> posting process. I was like, here it is. And Jake's like, here it is. Here it is, guys. All right. Posting process. Uh, Japanese players, the because the NPB is a very important and popular league in Japan, they're generally not just going to let their players go, you know, whenever they want. Now, if you do play enough years there, you can become an international free agent. That is what Kodai Senga has become. But some teams are just not about it. They're like, no, if we are going to have a player that wants to go play at MLB, we have to post you. You know, and some teams over there are just like, no, sorry, you're going to play here because that's just how these contracts work. In the case of Masataki Yoshida, he has you know, communicated to his team, the Oryx Buffaloes, over the last few years as he's become one of the best outfielders in Japan. I would like to play in MLB. Oryx ultimately decided, okay, fine, we'll let you go. Now, what does Oryx get out of this? What, what does posting actually mean? It just means that as part of the contract, the amount of the contract, a percentage of it, uh, depending on how much it is, is going to Oryx. And so in this case, because it is a $90 million contract, Oryx will be uh, receiving $15 million as part of this agreement. So it's kind of a tax on yeah. top of the actual contract that Yoshida has agreed to. The way to think about it, if for those of you who follow European soccer, it's kind of like a transfer fee sure. that goes to the team mixed with the American style of a lot of money going to the player. Yeah. Right. And so there's not there is free agency, obviously, in international soccer, but not to the same extent we had. Now, Yoshida is very interesting and relevant. Because he was posted, that means that he is generally going to be younger than the mm-hmm. players who have played out their years in Japan and gotten to free agency. So what type of player is this, Bailey? I think he's like the next Andrew Benintendi. Yeah. Like, he's, he, he's like a classic like crazy walk-strikeout ratio and NPP guy. Mm-hmm. And even if you regress it like heavily, like you could see him running like a really nice, you know, on base percentage. Mm-hmm. Probably not gonna hit a ton of homers. I would I would almost make the comparison. The defense isn't quite there, but I would almost say it's like if Shogo Akiyama was good. <laughs> well, then, don't then, say that because <laughs> because that's like Jake's least favorite player of all time. So <laughs> you're you're not selling it very well. I mean you, you walked you didn't know that that he really even calling him a good Akiyama is not but I, I, I see what you're saying. I actually love the Ben Attendee comp. I didn't think about that. The defense is definitely not there. No. He, but he's like 5'8". Yeah. <laughs> he's just not a big... <laughs> and and he's, not, he's not necessarily the best athlete. He's also, we talk about this often on this pod, 
athlete in the box, right? I mean, it is an incredibly appealing mm. uh, and effective and powerful swing, honestly. And with Benintendi, I think that's a good comp. It seems that there is more, more patience here, maybe even a little bit more pop. But like I said, definitely less defensive value. Even if he is playing in left field in Boston, I would not expect him to be uh, winning any gold gloves uh, anytime soon. At the same time, these these kind of mystery box, you, you know, especially Japanese hitters, where it's been quite the range of success and failures. And I feel like Seiya Suzuki last year with that incredible, or this year with that incredible hot start, yeah. and then kind of settling into just this pretty average, pretty good, good player. Good. Um, and Yoshida was not nearly as as famous and as as hyped as Suzuki, and he ends up with way more. But bigger contract yeah. than Suzuki. I mean, it's and that speaks to I think this market, and and speaks to the Red Sox urgency to get something done. And we can talk about Bogarts here in a second, but I love it. I, I think it's really cool. I think it's a fun fit. He seems like a really really fun personality who's been looking forward to playing uh, in the U.S. Uh, for a while now. I talk know the Harper stuff, right? Yeah, a huge Bryce Harper fan. I, like named his dog after it or whatever. And he played with you know Adam Jones went over there. He speaks very highly. Uh, play, played with him uh, with Oryx speaks very highly of him and yeah i mean he the guys in in, in mpb like they they're very aware of mlb of major league baseball and the opportunity to come play here is something that a lot of them want to seek out and and see if they can do it this is a hell of a (laughs) bet though from from uh from from the red sox that he is going to be one of their biggest signings he maybe he might be if bogarts goes somewhere else like this very well could be their biggest move of the offseason Hell of a gamble, but I love it. It is a gamble, and it's weird for evaluators and analysts and fans. Like, we don't know. Mm-hmm. We have not watched this player. Mm-hmm. We have not seen them in person. We have not seen a lot of them on TV. We can watch a YouTube video and pretend like we think we know, mm-hmm. but we really won't until we watch him for, like, two months. Right. right? But player, player profile-wise, how good he is exactly in the, you know, what's the slash line going to be? Let's talk about from a marketability standpoint, because, Jake, we went to lunch with our good friend June Lee, of course, yeah. very tied with the Red Sox, Red Sox fan. And let's move aside Bogarts for a second because that's still up in the air. Maybe it gets done uh, before tomorrow morning. But the Red Sox are in a tough spot right now, not just coming off a last place season, but why are Red Sox fans excited to go to see the Red Sox right now? Yes, Rafi Devers is still on the team, although it does not look like that is going to be much longer than this season based on how much they're going to extend him. Let's say Bogarts is out the door. I mean, Bailey, think about that roster. Who Who is on that team? They have some good players, but it's like, uh, the 10-year-old in Boston that's like, that's my favorite player. Yeah. I love that guy. I'm excited to go watch it. There, there need to be players that move the needle, yeah. you know. And and if, you know, Bogarts doesn't get extended and then, you know, if Devers is a threat to leave a year later, they just don't have guys like that. To be totally honest, I completely forgot Trevor Story was on the team. Uh, that's me being really tired, but I was not <laughs> thinking about him earlier. At the same time, Trevor Story he's, is not necessarily... He's, co- he's pretty good. His elbow's cooked. He's, el- he's a second baseman he, unless not, he gets surgery or something. He's not necessarily selling, you know, selling jerseys. He's not a butts uh, and seats and, guy. And, and no. I mean, let's, let's also be honest. Kike was that, and yeah. he was terrible this season. And I know he was injured also, and maybe he bounces back in, in 23, but... That's the thing. This is a guy that could be a fan favorite so fast. Mm-hmm. If he is even as good as, as Seiya Suzuki was in the way that Seiya Suzuki has become one of the most popular players on the Cubs. He can do that, but it's a way higher standard in Boston. Let's talk about Bogarts in a quick second. Here's a question for you, Bailey. If you had to rank the American League East mm-hmm. best record over the next five years. Over the next five years. These ne- the next five years. All five teams. What's the order of like how many games you think that they could win? I was thinking about this today, and I think you could kind of rearrange it in most ways. Yes. 
like you could put a team one or five. Like you could put the Orioles at, at one, one and be like, their farm system, their young talent is incredible. Like they have some financial flexibility. It's amazing. Or you could put them at five and you could be like, well, they're the Orioles and they haven't really proven it yet. Mm-hmm. The Yankees, it's like, oh, well, they just got Aaron Judge back, but what if he's bad and the roster is old? What are you going to do? What would you do? In, what, what's your order? Yeah, I would, I would go Yankees one. Yep. I just think it's because when you have a team like the Yankees, you, they don't experience the competitive ebbs and flows as much. So I don't know, I don't know what the Red Sox are going to look like in five years. I don't know what the Rays are going to look like in five years. I don't but, know what the Red Sox look like in five months. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, and also the Red Sox have shown us they've been the most volatile. I mean, they're bouncing yeah. between just randomly winning 90 games when we think they stink and mm-hmm. then doing the opposite when we think they're good. All right, Yankees won. Let's go Orioles too. I, okay. I, I believe in the rebuild. I think they've got enough going on for them in the minor leagues and just the goal is to how are they going to supplement it with yeah. the right free agent signings over and it, it may not even be this offseason maybe they make a big splash on a guy next offseason maybe they maybe they're like we'll go get Aaron Nola you know for example just to get like that mm-hmm. another frontline guy next to Grayson Rodriguez we're going to go we're going to go Orioles 2 mm-hmm. they've done the hard part yeah right they like they they play winning baseball now like going forward most likely this is the time oh, who's who's 3 for you 3 i'm going to go that's a tough one. See, I'm leaning Toronto, too. Yeah. Uh, Toronto is an interesting one. The, the, the case for the Orioles, too, is that they are trending up in a way that it should still be. All these young guys are generally will still be there, and they'll still be building. They'll still have more farm and high draft picks coming in. Whereas Toronto, eventually, at that end of that five-year window, maybe Vlad and Bo are on other teams. Mm-hmm. Springer's way older, right? And hopefully, you know, they get to retain some of them. But it's harder to project. Whereas the Orioles, it's like we're watching this core come up. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's harder to imagine. Maybe they're not. Maybe the Orioles still might finish last in 2023. Sure. But I, I don't see them being bad in the next five years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to go Toronto three. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go Rays four. And Red Sox five. But I will say with just like Rays four, like, that's still probably averaging like 83 wins a year <laughs> right, over the next right, five years. Right. Yeah. I think I'd still go, oh, I don't know. The Ra- that's the thing. The Rays have been so good at not being bad. You're right. <laughs> yeah. In the last five years. And so. not being bad is, ar- like, is arguably a better strike than being way. good. It goes a long way. What's your order? I, I think I agree with his order. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I would I, but I would, I would swap. I would go Toronto second. But what, what strikes me is like the other divisions there are same teams are like they're five or they're one. Yeah. Whereas the AL East, it's like, Think about the Red Sox. I, I, yeah, you could probably you would probably put them at five. Mm-hmm. But like if Yoshida hits and they bring Bogarts back and they you know sales healthy, like they could yeah. just they were two games away from the World Series a year ago. Yeah, right. Times change very quick. And before we qu- take a quick break, Jordan, mm-hmm. let's talk about Xander Bogarts, mm-hmm. who it feels like he's the next domino to fall. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we got the Trey Turner uh, move earlier on, and we, we thought, okay, is this going to clarify and start moving this, this shortstop market along? Uh, we're starting to get a little some Dansby Swanson rumors here and there. The Correa stuff has been pretty quiet and slow so far. Also, of course, worth pointing out, with Boris having Bogarts and Correa, it seems like he's probably focusing on one more than the other at this stage, which would make sense at the same time. For Bogarts, because you have a situation where Earlier, it was like, oh, the Red Sox aren't even trying. Now, over the last you know, 12 hours, it's like, oh, no, the Red Sox are very much still trying. It's just that there are a lot of other teams like the Padres who are desperately trying to throw hundreds of millions of dollars at baseball players that are going to be driving that price up. So I don't know. I'm, I, 
I'm not going to sit here just in the way yesterday we were like, well, it seems like Judge is moving towards the Giants. I am not going to sit here and say, well, it seems like Bogarts is moving towards the Red Sox. It is encouraging to hear that they really are trying because for every, all the reasons we just said, they are in a way worse spot if you don't have Xander Bogarts around. But I don't know. I don't know. Too early. Too early. Not if there's say. one thing you can say about the Red Sox po- uh, offseason, mm-hmm. they're trying. They are trying. On every player, they, they, they are finishing. Yeah, second or apparently first. That's the other thing about this Yoshida one. It was like that with often with the, with the posting system, you get posted, you have the 45 days to negotiate. I mean, Kodai Senga was, is not uh, you know, subject to this, mm-hmm. but he's really taking his time. And we've had rumors about Senga for weeks now, and it seems like he's going through it. Yoshida posted, boom, gone. The next day, the Red Sox. And when you look at the offer, it's like, Hell yeah, I'd take that so fast. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, if you had told him a year ago, hey, you're actually going to get more than what, say, a Suzuki would yeah. get, like, that's wild. He sold out right away. Could, now you got to go to StockX. Got to go to StockX. I will, one more thing on Xander Bogarts. People know, if you listen to the show, like, he's the guy I'm in on. He's the one right. I want. I agree. He's the player who I think is going to be good and competent and valuable at age 36, 37 right. as he ages just because of the way his bat works. And so I think it is, like Jordan said, encouraging to see that the Red Sox have hopped back in. Padres do seem like that other team. They offer, they're just, they're just in every freaking conversation. I don't, I don't know what's going on with it because it, it seems like any time a free agent signs, we find out the Padres secretly <laughs> offered them 10 to 20% more than they actually signed for. I mean, and, and that very well could happen again with Bogart. It may, yeah, like it may already be happening. I, yeah. Is it, is it just a bunch of deferred money? Like, are they like cooking the books somehow? Like, like how are they doing this? <laughs> Where is but no one money? actually signs with them. Where is oh, the well, money right. coming from? Right. Yeah. How can they afford it? I mean, l- listen, it's, it, it, they all, can't afford it, and it's just it takes a, a Peter Seiler to say, "Fuck it, here we go. Let's 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 keep trying." This is, is better just, than a beach house, baby. Yeah, it is just it is just funny. It, you know, is, does it say something about them that they're not getting it done, or is it just that they're like coming in so chaotically late in these processes that whoever they're talking to, like Judge, is like, "Oh, okay, whoa, how am all right, whoa. dude? Like, I just met you. Why are you suddenly offering me three fifty? It's like married <laughs> at first sight. <laughs> it's uh, so you know that." But it does seem like they will land someone at some point, and we will talk about that when it happens. We will take a quick ba- bake. I need to go take a nap. We will take a quick break here on Baseball Barbacast. And when we return, we will talk about Jamison Tyon and how it's confusing that his name kind of sounds like Tywan Walker. Wrap up some Aaron Judge odds and ends. Chat with Bailey about the Rule 5 draft and hear all about his very first experience at the winter meetings. Talk to you in a jiffy. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shaped sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And we're back here on Baseball Barbacast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman, and Bailey Freeman of Foolish Baseball. Now, Bailey, one thing that Jordan and I, as Dodos, forgot to talk about on the show here yesterday was the Jamison tie-on to the Cubs contract. Now, we have spoken quite a bit about how the National League Central sucks and how it is very much for the taking. Do you think that the Jamison tie-on signing is indicative that the Cubs think they can win the division this year. 
I don't think they have any reason to believe they can't win the division next year. Like they, if they continue to build out the pitching debt, like if depth, uh, if you look at some of their like projected lineups, it's not sexy. There's no sexy no. hitter in there, but it just looks really solid all around. Like if you if you can predict, you know, Suzuki continues to play very well. Right. If you can predict like a Matt Mervis breakout, which would not be surprising at all given how much he tore up the upper level minors next year. Like, yeah, you can definitely start to picture the Cubs winning the Central or at least being like competitive, like up there, like pushing, you know, the Cardinals, who I guess would be the de facto favorites at right. the moment. And they're going to spend more. That is the buzz that we've heard around the winter meetings that the Cubs are kind of back, maybe not at the top end of the market, but in terms of like the Brandon Nimmo, uh, Dansby Swanson level, they're interested in spending and they're interested in competing within the next handful of years. They don't want this to be an extended rebuild. Now, Tyon is a super interesting guy. When you take a look back at his draft class, he is sandwiched right in there at the number two pick between Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, which is just amazing a little jmo jmo sandwich his career has been fascinating he's overcome quite a bit testicular cancer two tommy john surgeries and so it is very nice to see him get paid i also like that he really what i think about it is he's been durable right since coming back Mm -hmm. from his second tommy john this is a guy that made 29 starts in 21 and 32 starts in 2022 now if you're that sounds so unimpressive to anybody that watched baseball 20 years ago. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, you started Durable? 30 games two years in a row. Like, congratulations. Wow. But it is truly so uncommon nowadays. And I think that that's the kind of certainty. Uh, it's, so, it's also so great, right? 100 ERA plus in 21, 100 ERA plus in 22. Beautiful. At the same time, like, that sounds, okay, great. So you're a league average starter that's going to make 30 starts. One, that's super-duper valuable, especially if you know he is going to post, as we say. Yep. Not post like NPB. That's di- different posts. Again, try to clarify. Yep. We're mixing up our posts here. At the same time, he's still because part of it because of his draft stock and because when you watch him and he has a lot of pitches, you can still think like, man, probably another level, right? Yeah. We can probably get him to another level. He's he's really hasn't been a strikeout guy really at any point in his major league career. Mm-hmm. Uh Certainly not uh, with Pittsburgh early on, but even now as he's been effective. So I'm not surprised that the Cubs maybe think, hey, maybe we can get that ERA plus up to like 115. Maybe we can get that K per nine up to like 8.5. Or maybe even, it sounds crazy, more than one per inning. Oh, sorry, maybe. that's I'm I'm getting crazy. It's getting late here. Uh, But yeah, so Tyon, I love it. An awesome dude. Easy fit anywhere. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I mean, it seems like all, there are a lot of teams in the mix for the second tier of, of starters, and uh, he's probably one of my favorite options. He ends his tenure as a uh, New York baseball player as one of the few takes the subway to the ballpark, guys. Mm. And as a baseball media insider in the New York City metropolitan area, we like those guys. You know, those guys are relatable. There are very few of them. As someone who takes a train all the time, I like that about Jameson Tyon, and I'm sad that he's not, he's not going to, like, Judge isn't going to take the four train. Does Nestor take the train? No. Oh, I thought, I thought for sure he took the train at some point. Maybe he got a little too big for his britches. I think he's taken the train. <laughs> uh-huh. He's an all-star now, all like, right? Relax. Th- there, there are guys who take the train every day, and then there are guys who have ta- been on the train. I see. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, key difference. Mark Canna, train guy. Uh-huh. Trevor Williams, our buddy, train, train. guy. Loves, loves uh, d- drops of Jupiter. Uh, let's move on from Jamison Tyon and talk about Aaron Judge, who signed a big, 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 big boy deal, but not a giant deal, 
this morning returning to the New York Yankees. Um, you know, we've had a lot of uh, reporting nibbles ooze out so far over the course of this Wednesday. Some of it believable, some of it refuted by other people. But let's focus on the things that we know, okay? Aaron Judge is apparently in Hawaii now. Yes. I, my understanding is that he uh, immediately just jetted off. He s- showed up in San Diego, was here for, I think, less than like six hours, and then just dipped uh, to Hawaii to, I believe, celebrate his wedding anniversary. And it sounds like he'll be there for at least a while to the point where I don't know when we're going to actually see this giant contract become official. Not that I think it's going to fall apart or anything, wow. but it is kind of funny that it's like, all right, I'll be back literally like in January or something, right. <laughs> and we'll, we'll do the whole uh, you know, fancy presser then. The he, Mets just announced that they signed Justin Verlander. I'm like, that's old news, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, Monday seems like 50 years ago. Yeah. So No, it's true, but the judge one, I mean, we'll have to remember all again like, oh, yeah, judge signed. Yeah. Arson guy. I remember him. Ink to paper. Yeah. It's, yeah, wow. It's going to take a while. He's actually in Hawaii filming uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall 2. <laughs> Really? That's, that, that's a good that's movie. Crazy. That's crazy. a good movie. That is a good movie. It is just funny that, like, the way that famous rich people move around the country is, yes. like, different than also, we do. Also relevant, uh, another important detail from the negotiations was that Hal Steinbrenner was in Italy while this was going down, closed the deal while he was in Italy. Uh, any thoughts about, what, what are you picturing about how this happened? Because, again, the reporting is basically, Judge, the Yankees had... An offer for him at 8-320. Judge goes back to them and says, look, guys, I really want to be a Yankee. Can you just give me a ninth year? And Hal's like, I mean, he's sitting on who knows where he's at in, well, in Italy. Which you do not watch Succession, Jordan. Correct. I don't know if you do, Bailey, but the, there's a, the end of the most recent season, I believe, finishes in Sicily. And there's, there's all these beautiful villas and these rich people. And so I am in these villas and I'm thinking about, like, Hal Steinbrenner eating breakfast. Right. Right, because of the time difference? Uh, yes. He's drinking probably. an yeah. espresso, looking out over the Italian countryside <laughs> in like silk rich boy pajamas. Yeah. And and if you have if that's your lifestyle, how can you think to yourself, I don't deserve Aaron Judge? <laughs> you, you think to yourself, yes. I'm gonna go get Aaron Judge today because I own the world, it's in the palm of my hand. Totally that, true. That's like, or or the opposite, like, wow, I'm at this resort in Italy. I guess I should I guess I can't afford Aaron Judge. Oh, that, <laughs> yes, that's, right. That's, that's a good true. point, too. But I'm, I'm more focused on why he was there, when the trip to Italy was planned. Because to me, I'm reading this as, okay, and, and listen, when you're, when you're Steinbrenner rich, you can just pick up and go to Italy on a whim. I realize that. You know? At the same time, he went into this offseason knowing there's this Aaron Judge thing that I'm going to have to deal with one way or, or the other at to, some point. His to, it was on his to-do list. Yeah, like that is a thing that he knew it was going on. And so I'm wondering if he planned this trip to Italy, again, during the winter meetings. Like, if that, you would think those would be the few days when he would maybe not go to Italy. Maybe he had a reason to be there. Maybe but, he just needed some pass. But I love that maybe he planned it thinking, let's say he planned it a month ago, and he was thinking, this will either be, I just signed Aaron Judge, and I'm piecing out and hanging out i'm a rich dude in italy or uh oh the giant sign judge i'm getting the hell out of here i don't want anyone to see me i don't want you know i'm trying to hide instead he ends up having to literally close the deal while eating his italian breakfast shots at Vinny pasquantino um that's uh, unbelievable <laughs> imagine explaining to george steinbrenner when he bought the team that yes. one day his son would sign a guy in san diego about to go to hawaii while he sits in italy for $360 million. <laughs> he bought the team for, I believe, $8 million. Do we think it was a FaceTime? 
Where we, how do we think this got this got hammered out? I love the idea. Discord for sure. <laughs> Hop in the chat. I love the idea. Like Hal's eating breakfast. And he's sipping his espresso. Hey, Aaron. And he like turns the camera around. He's, he's like, look at my view. He's, he's like, look at my sick view. <laughs> he's like, hold on, hold on. Let me put my let me put my AirPods in. One second. One second. One second. Aaron's like, yo, come on, man. This this. Seen his ninth year. I need his ninth year. I want to be. I'm Aaron's. He's like, hey, Aaron, check out this sick view. You can afford it now too, because we're you got a deal. <laughs> Congratulations! Yeah, so I, I would just love to know the logistics behind why he was in Italy. Maybe I missed the reason, but rich guy stuff, so relatable, so relatable. The last thing that we learned today is that that TMC style video of Aaron Judge in the lobby of a San Francisco hotel was staged by his agency, mm. which is amazing. amazing. Yeah, that's it. That's like a Nathan for you bit. <laughs> There. <laughs> now you you you've watched this video. We discussed it. I've at watched length. this video like eighty times. Right. We yeah. we have uh, we discussed it at length uh, when it first came out a few weeks ago. It felt, it did feel like I, I don't know. Like what, now I go back and watch it, and I'm like, who was speaking? Like, right. Who was who's that? A, who was accosting him? Why was? <laughs> oh, Mr. Judge. Here's what thing, are you doing here? Because videos like that are rec- usually when they are real are more chaotic and more uh, yeah. like the right. lighting was good. He gave like this wink to the camera. It was like a perfect like, like it was all too clean for a TMZ style video where you're chasing someone into a hotel room. Yeah. Like Aaron, what the, what are you doing here? I have seen Aaron Judge bothered and overwhelmed by media many times Mm -hmm. as a member of the overwhelming media. And in that video, he does not look overwhelmed in the slightest. Also, there's no one else in the background of any of the shots. (laughs) It's like they cleared out the lobby before they filmed it. How many takes? How many takes do they do? (laughs) Multiple. I don't think they did multiple. I, I actually... I don't think they, like, rented out the space and just did a bunch of cuts. What I think happened is they told him, hey, we're going to send someone from the agency is going to go down there, just play along. And they did it on the first take. I don't know. Honestly, at this point, I need to go back. This might be freaking full soundstage, green screen situation. He was never even at a hotel. Like that, remember that video of Evan Longoria catching the line drive while (laughs) he's doing the You mean that 100% real video? (laughs) Very. He saved a woman's life. Yes. I yeah. mean, let's not American let's hero. not joke around like that. But what we actually learned from this is that the agency was truly breaking out all the stops. Like they were trying yeah. to play mind games with the Yankees to try and get the last year done. Now maybe they would have done it anyway without the smoke and mirrors and like the Operation Mincemeat style deception. But they got what they were looking for at the end of the day, you know. And they didn't even need a corpse dump. Have you seen this movie? No. Operation Mincemeat. Years ago. Basically, uh, during World War II, the British wanted to convince the Nazis that they were invading somewhere else. They weren't invading in Sicily. They were invading in Greece. So they put fake uh, military like plan papers into a corpse and dumped it into the Atlantic Ocean. So it would wash up and the Nazis would see it. And they would look at the, uh, the plans and they moved the troops around and it worked. Genius. You know, you guys know just how this like, relates to Aaron Judge. I don't remember. It's just like this. We got back to Sicily, so that was good. Yeah, either way. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so, so listen, we'll, I'm sure we'll get some more funky details about how this all went down. But, yeah, again, I, I just don't know if we're going to actually hear them officially talk about it uh, all together in, in the Bronx. Maybe you'll get to go to that press conference whenever it is. Who knows? What do you think? 
Uh, yeah. Right? Sure. Probably, probably go to that. Yeah, I would probably go to that. All right, last thing, Rule 5 Draft. Yes, Rule 5 Draft happened today. Of course, that's why everyone comes to the winter meetings. And I let's just let's just fold this into our last question, which is, is for our friend Bailey here, which is this was your first winter meetings, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. And you've you've really, you know, you, you saw history with, with the draft lottery. We, we talked about that yesterday. But the Rule 5 Draft for us is, is such a f- even funnier thing because we have witnessed it. It is this strange thing where, of course, you know, big league teams are picking minor league players that are unprotected by the other teams and they have to stick in the roster. The point is, is that the actual practical event, from what you understood about to actually watching it in person, what were your what was what surprised you, and what was your favorite part? I just I loved the theater of it all. I think one of my favorite aspects was the spelling. There was a real spelling bee oh. component oh. to the Rule Five Draft, where the representative from each team would walk up to the microphone mm-hmm. and they would spell the last name of the player that their team was attempting to select. And sometimes <laughs> you would stumble over the letters. Sometimes there'd be a miscommunication. Whatever team tried to uh, pick Gus Varland from the Dodgers, oh, that was, they went that back was and forth and back and forth about Barland, Varden, like <laughs> Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. You saying V or E? V is in Victor. Right. Yeah, it was it was tough. And then and then we had a couple other. Well, uh, I want to talk about the spelling bee situation oh, yeah. too. Sure, because. You would get, I think the representative from the Marlins would say the player's name again at the end of it. So it would be like, Sandy Alcantara. Oh, that's a bad example. That's going to take me forever to spell that. Let's do uh, uh, J.J. Blade. Uh-huh. The Marlins like J.J. Blade. B-L-E-D-A-Y. Blade. Yeah. And it, like Every- her diction made it sound mm-hmm. like. The you know Dr. Bailey was going to be like thing. Every every representative had a different style, yes. right? Had yeah. a different kind of enthusiasm, a different like we select. And then the other great part of the rule five is the the non selections, right? right? That's a big part of it. Is that the reality is that there are some organizations that are like this is stupid, this is a waste of our time, we pass. And so sometimes <laughs> they say Toronto passes, or they'll just say pass, or they'll just say. You know, we pass. And I love that there are representatives that do get to have to go just to do that. You just know, like they just do that immediately. Once. Just to yell pass once. Uh, so that was great. I, I, I love that. And then there was some interesting, you know, Noah's song, whatever. That's, that's a, here's all to say. Go read about Noah's song. It is an extremely yeah. bizarre it's situation. A, it's a great Wikipedia page. It is a great Wikipedia page. And, and then we had some weird stuff in the minor league portion where the, uh, the Pirates tried to take a guy on the Rays who was just suspended for PEDs three weeks ago, and that's apparently not allowed. So there was like five minutes of conferring, like, are they allowed to take this guy? And then it seemed like the answer was no, and then the Pirates were awkwardly like, Okay, well, pass. pass. <laughs> <laughs> so that was funny. Anyway, Rule 5 Draft is goofy. But there's no way that was actually your favorite part of the, the winter meeting. So what was, as an event as a whole, moments from the week? What, what stands what, out? What, so what stands out? What will you remember? You know, what, what will you look forward to the next time you go, whenever that may be? I think, you know, first of all, we're going to all be talking to ourselves, like, where were you when Arson Judge <laughs> dropped? And oh, unfortunately, yeah. I was not at the hotel. I was out just walking back from lunch. Uh-huh. Um, so but that was definitely a highlight, I think. Um, you know, any just all the it's it's people watching. I think that's mm. that's how I would describe the winter meetings as bad as just people watching. Like you walk by and here's here's Nelson Cruz and here's, <laughs> you know, CC Sabathia and here's Rajay Davis. And yep. then here's, you know, uh, Johnny Gomes. Here's Johnny just, Gomes. Just strolling just, through, right. Um, here's uh, Mike, Rizzo well, Mike Rizzo at the oh. hotel bar until like, a very late hour. <laughs> 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 May I add? He 
is the at there the yeah. the latest hour. And then like Fred McGriff is like it, yes. in his Hall of Fame jersey, just like wandering by. Uh, and then like there's the commissioner. You know, it's, right. it's a totally the, the the unpredictability of it is is fun, and you almost take it for granted by Tuesday. But it is you, you do have to sometimes pause and be like, what sequence of people did I just see in the thirty second span? Right. If you were just living your life in Atlanta and you saw Rajai Davis, that would be the main thing in your week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it is. Not even in your head. It all just washes over us. It all washes over us. Is this a useful event for Hmm. you specifically and the work that you do on YouTube? Not at all. However, (laughs) it it is useful. It's not useful in terms of creating monetizable content. Mm -hmm. I create, you know, video essay type stuff. People, you know, there's a very small market of my audience that would want to see me, you know, do some, like, real life like vlogging type style videos or interview type style uh, videos with like notable people but what it is useful for is just sort of like recharging the creative batteries yeah of, was my of finally for you, being right. able to you know um interact in real life with people that i usually talk to over the internet it's just something that you know it just helps me like reset that that and, was and before i go in and yeah. just go into the cave and start making another video right. because your gig is very solitary yes Right. It's you and your computer and your brain. Right. And I hate that. (laughs) Whenever I have to work like that, it drives me nuts. Like I need other people. I need to interact. And so an event like this for me is really good just to schmooze. Like I just love the schmoozing. And I'm curious, not curious, but it is interesting to me that for you, this is super helpful as someone who works alone all the time. Yeah, absolutely. This is just, I mean, you could say it just gets me out of the house, you know, like as just a classic like just work from home sitting from the computer screen you know usually like to work a little in the morning and then uh, a lot in like the evening it's just it's good to have this to sort of like regulate you mentioned the regulators cre- you mentioned the the creative juices that's kind of my last question for you and, and maybe lead into you plugging some of your stuff which i feel like we did not let you do at all the last time we had you on the podcast <laughs> so so uh like you mentioned did you get any ideas here? Maybe you weren't necessarily working on it in the same way. But did you see something where you're like, I am going to do either a Foolish Bailey video or a Baseball Bits that, that kind of sparked your interest? And maybe if you want to tease some of the stuff you're working on uh, this offseason and what people can expect over at your multiple YouTube channels. Well, I think what's good about the type of content I make is that I can really just sort of like run the gamut as mm-hmm. far as like the types of topics I tackle. So, you know, the next episode of Baseball Bits, which is like the main thing that people know me for, you know, we're going to be talking about a player that we've already discussed in this podcast episode. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like a big deal player. But then the very next one could very well be like a dead ball era player from, you know, a hundred years ago who you never heard of in your entire life. Yeah, so it's just good to mix it up. There you go. Uh, where can people uh, find your wonderful work? My main YouTube channel is Foolish Baseball. I also have a second channel, more sort of like personality driven. Foolish Bailey. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, you want to see his Foolish face, BB. right? That's, yes. that's that's the difference. Do you want to see his face or not? Yeah. <laughs> so go to Foolish Bailey for sure. <laughs> yes, yes. That's I. I got to be honest. I love baseball bits. I'm a Foolish Bailey guy myself. And I've had <laughs> I, that's a lot of feedback I've gotten while I've been here from people in the industry. Like mm-hmm. obviously, you know, the stuff you do on your main channel is good. The stuff that you know you put a lot of thought into and it takes you know three weeks straight of work is great. But how about those things you just knock out in the afternoon, just riffing? <laughs> like that's that the good nice? stuff right there. It was. Like nice. last year when Jordan and I were at the World Series and like writing all these articles and doing reporting and everyone was like, <laughs> the dugout trash yes, stuff I'm, is amazing. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's sometimes not exactly uh, what you expect. But Bailey, thank you so much for joining us, not just on this episode of Baseball Barbecast, but all week long as we've been hanging out. Um, this has been fun. I know you've also been spending some time with our producer, Chris. Yes. Producer Chris, thank you to producer Chris, uh, who has, uh, of course, helped us all week long. We will still have one more episode coming on Thursday morning or at some point during Thursday. Maybe we will have some more transaction news tonight. I know most of the people have already left the winter meetings. Maybe you could just listen to me and Jordan tickle each other. Yeah, that, that may very well be all we have to talk about. Uh, but either way, uh, either way, uh, not as ticklish as you think. Uh, either way, <laughs> thank you to Chris. Thank you to Dan, who has been helping uh, produce these uh, episodes here at the SiriusXM set. And thank you to Bailey Freeman. Thank you to Jake. Thank you to you, Jordan. Thank you uh, to, I guess, the lobby for not getting too mad at us as we're yelling about things. And, uh, yeah, we will talk to you very, very soon on Baseball Barbecast. Serious XM Podcasts.